Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Think Orange podcast, where we want to encourage and equip leaders like you who are investing in the faith and future of the next generation. I am Trey McKnight, your host, and in this season of the podcast, we're interviewing some of the speakers we're hosting at Orange Conference 2022. That's right, it's coming this April. Now, we'll talk about what it means to be human and how our churches can better care for the humans in our communities. We are so excited for you to get to hear this conversation with our interviewer, Dave Adamson, and our guest, Dr. Kara Powell. Kara Powell, PhD, is the executive director of the Fuller Youth Institute and a faculty member at Fuller Theological Seminary. She's named by Christianity Today as one of the 50 women to watch. Kara speaks regularly at parenting and leadership conferences. Uh, She's the author of a number of books, including Growing Young and The Sticky Faith Guide for Your Family. Kara lives in Pasadena with her husband, Dave, and their three children. You are going to absolutely love this conversation. So without further ado, let's get into it. Here's what we know is true. You're listening to this podcast because you believe in what you do as a ministry leader. You know that every early morning, late night, and meeting that could have been an email is so worth it. And when you believe in what you do this much, you do everything you can to make it better. You know that the mission is too important not to try something new. And that's why we created the Redesign Your Ministry to Last course from Orange Masterclass. Join Reggie Joyner as he unpacks the five essential values for your ministry that will last far beyond a person, a model, or yes, even a pandemic, and innovative strategies to help you elevate them in your ministry. Start working on your ministry, not just in your ministry, today by going to orangemasterclass.com. Hey, Cara, it's so great to see you. Thank you so much for joining us on the Think Orange podcast. How are you? I'm doing really well. And Dave, I just love how you say my name with <laughs> with your accent. I just love it. It's so like melodious the way you say it. So thank you. Thank you for saying my name. So, so Australian. I want to be super honest with you. I have a card here <laughs> to remind myself to extend the A so that I say it as close as possible because I want to honor you and what your parents decided to call you. Am I getting yeah. close? Am I close? You're really close. Yeah, it's Kara. So you're Cara. super close. Yeah. Not all of us can have a name as unmess upable as Dave. Yeah. So sorry, not language. all of us can have that kind of a name. But yeah, you're you're really close. Kara. Great. Well, I appreciate your grace and I really appreciate you spending some time with us today on the podcast. As you know, uh, the theme for Orange Conference uh, this coming year is Be Human. And so I wanted to just start by asking you, what do you think it means to be human? Well, the beauty is that's who we are. That's how God's designed us. And in fact, I would start there that what it means to be human is to start with an understanding that we're created in the image of God. Mm. In fact, you know, when you mention Orange Conference and I say image of God, I remember, gosh, maybe six or seven years ago, Reggie Joyner did a presentation main stage at Orange talking about how we're created in the image of God. And he had us do like this call and response about image of God. And, And I think that's in, I mean, that's, scriptural. Yeah. Um, that's in all of us. And that's really in Orange's DNA also is to yeah. appreciate that we're made in God's image. God's designed us to be in relationship with each other, just like God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit are in relationship with each other. I think yeah. part of what it means to be in the image of God is to reflect or mirror mm. that kind of interdependent relationship that we see in the Trinity. 
So when I think about what it means to be human, that's where I start. Yeah. And there's a second phrase that's really important too, is not just image of God, but also that we as humans are sinners. Mm. Um, and we're in constant need of experiencing Jesus, experiencing Jesus's salvation and ongoing sanctification. Yeah. So I think being being a human is is both this beautiful aspect of God being our creator, yeah. and yet this daily challenge, tension, struggle of being sinners and seeing yeah. the two of those weave together and ultimately experience victory through Jesus. Yeah. How amazing is it that that while we are sinners, God still in our humanness accepts us and loves us and com, you know compels us to do good in the world isn't it? i you well, just and, how amazing that is and that god sent jesus to be a human yeah. like how how god <laughs> yeah. how god like for god to redeem humans through sending god's son as a human which yeah. is just so profound and poetic and iconic i think of who god is so i mean that's that's uh, you know on the on the on the infinitely long list of what's amazing about jesus the fact that jesus has some experience with our humanity mm. i think is part of that list that's so good like 2 minutes into this and you've already blown the roof off this conversation on the podcast i knew that this would happen hey i remember that call and response thing that reggie did um, yeah. and how that was just such a great reminder uh you know a moment of being reminded that we're human so i wanted to ask on the back of that what is something that you do maybe on a regular basis that reminds you of your humanness hmm okay i'm going to say I take naps. <laughs> I think <laughs> I'm I'm an Enneagram 3 like I know I'm supposed to have a wing but I'm such an Enneagram 3 achiever. I don't even really think I have a wing. Like I'm all about like let's let's be purposeful, let's be intentional, let's let's prayerfully determine outcomes and then let's create a process to achieve those outcomes with God's yeah. help and with God's leading, etc. and I love a good nap. And um you know typically on Saturday and or Sunday there's about an hour that I carve out in the afternoon just to rest mm. and you know I think kind of recalibrate and and get that sleep that yeah. I need as a human. So that's honestly the first thing that came to my mind not super spiritual but actually you know I think sleep is an act of faith where we yeah. say we trust you god that you you are working even when we're not a part of that when we can't see and experience it directly we know that you're working and so i actually think napping is pretty spiritual so i think extremely spiritual especially cara when you consider that the first thing in all of scripture that's defined as holy is rest that's go. the first thing it's not god it's not the scriptures it's not a a church or a temple but rest is holy so i think that is an extremely spiritual answer and i would again would expect nothing less from you well thank you yeah boy we're drawing a lot from genesis here like as I we know. talk about resting and being made in god's image like i mean there's so much in every book of the bible but it's fascinating how i mean maybe and maybe that's to be expected that our humanness is is apparent and clear from the very first pages yeah. and first chapters of of all of the scriptures. So I love it. I love it. Hey Carrie, you obviously work with the the Fuller Institute as we talked about in, you know, when we set up your resume in in the introduction to this podcast. I I wonder what uh, you know, through your research at Fuller and with your team, um 
What have you learned that all humans have in common? Is there anything that you guys have, have found? Yeah, well, Dave, I'm not even sure you fully know this, but that's actually the topic of our latest book. <laughs> um, so you're asking a question that's really in our strike zone that yeah. uh, myself and Brad Griffin co-authored called Three Big Questions That Change Every Teenager. And we did a lot of research uh, studying teenagers broadly and then deep dive interviews with 27 teenagers, very diverse from all across the U.S., and what, what we've come to unearth, and it's interesting because Orange says the very same thing. So it's kind of like yeah. God, ins God inspired both Fuller and Orange uh, in very similar ways. We think that there are three questions that all humans are wrestling with. Okay. Um, and, and much of discipleship and much of our life journey is the ongoing unpacking of these questions. And so mm. these three questions are identity, who yeah. am I, belonging, where do I fit? And purpose, what difference can I make? So mm -hmm. identity, belonging, and purpose. And, you know, I would say those are the three questions that separate humans from any other, yeah. uh, you know, mammal. And uh, I'm over 30 years old, as are you. And we're asking those questions. I mean, I think yeah. every human is asking those questions. There are certain stages of life, especially in transition. So that means especially, you know, children, teenagers, young adults, really up to age 30, where yeah. those questions are at a rolling boil. So yeah. they're more at a low simmer for those of us who are older, still prevalent, prevalent still present, but not quite as heated as they are for those under 30. So I would say that's really what separates humans is that yeah. we're wrestling with identity, belonging, purpose. And last thing I would say, discipleship yeah. is our process of embracing Jesus's best answers to those questions of who oh. am I, where do I fit, and what difference can I make? Can you, do you mind diving into one of those three? I, I mean, maybe the last one I think would be my pick. I'm happy Great. to pick one, but that would be my pick. Do you mind diving a little bit deeper into, into that and, and, and talking more about purpose and what you guys yeah. have uncovered? Yeah. Well, first of all, one of the things that we think is that while these are three common questions, we each have a question that kind of leads the way for us. Yeah. Uh, each of us, you know, that's maybe the one that where God tends to grow us the most, maybe where we struggle the most, maybe where our proclivities are. And so yeah. my hunch is since you went to purpose, I wouldn't be surprised if like that's your leading question <laughs> is wanting to be involved in seeing our world changed for the better. Yeah. Um, and so part of what we did in our research is we looked at young people's and again, these were 13 to 18 year olds, current yep. answers to those questions. Yeah. And so the good news when it comes to purpose is that young people, I'll highlight two things currently, uh, they are involved in service. Yeah. And the, the 27 teenagers we interviewed were all youth group kids. And so maybe that, I'm sorry, that skews it some, but they were all involved in service, which was inspiring. Um, and a lot of why they serve, this is a little bit less inspiring, is because they were trying to please others. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's what others expect of them. It's what their family expects. It's what their church youth ministry expects. It's what their college counselor expects. Yeah. Uh, you know, I serve so I can put it on my college application. And so, you know, as, as we think about, again, discipleship is Jesus's best answer. Yeah. The, the best answer, the Jesus centered answer that, that we would love for all generations and especially young people to embrace is, you know, we're not serving so we feel better about ourselves, so we please any, any human so that we look good on our college application. We're serving because we're part of God's better story.
Mm. We're part of God's great story. And in fact, when I had the chance to speak at my 12th graders baccalaureate uh, last May, that was actually the theme of my 12 minute talk is, you know, God has a great story, figure out your page. Wow. And I think part of what um, we can do as adults journeying alongside families, journeying alongside children, teenagers is like, you know, we help them figure out that page. We yeah. help them figure out, you know, their gifts, their talents. And I'll just say, I saw um, some Barna research today. I saw it saying that roughly I'm going to, I'm going to make up percentages because I don't remember the exact percentages, but about 80% of Christians believe that God's given them gifts and talents to use in the world. And this is yeah. Christian adults. So yeah. the majority, I mean, I wish it was a hundred, but 80% is still pretty good. But believe yeah. they have gifts and talent. Here's what's terrible is only 50% of this same group knew what their gifts and talents were mm. roughly. So, you know, these are adults. These are yeah. adults, Dave, who don't know their gifts, talents, how God wants to, you know, write a story through them, how God wants to write God's story through them, yeah. let alone, you know, what's the percentage for teenagers, children, 20 somethings, yeah. know, almost certainly even lower than that 50%. So again, I think it gives us an opportunity as adults, small group leaders, pastors, parents, guardians, et cetera, to journey alongside a young person and help them figure out yeah. how God might want to be uh, work through them for God's purposes to come here on heaven, yeah. on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. Wow. I wonder, um, in preparing, in writing this book, did you get a chance to research any uh, ways that technology has mm. impacted what purpose yeah. it has? I remember reading a study. Um, I, I think that it was conducted in 2017 in the UK that showed, uh, you know, they, they studied a certain number of 14 to 18 year olds. And they just, what, what the results were, were that there were three main roles uh, three main careers or jobs that those uh, teenagers wanted to have when they quote unquote grew up. Uh, yeah. The first one was a doctor, which always gave me hope that people still want to be doctors because that's that's good. The we second, need medical doctors. Exactly. <laughs> the second one, pretty close behind that, was an influencer, and the third one was a YouTuber. So of uh, the top yeah. three, two two of them are technologically minded. So I'm wondering. Yeah. Uh, how how has your team figured out or have you found yeah. out what role technology plays when it comes to kids who are looking for purpose? And I'm just struck that, you know, those last two that were tech related, it's not like engineers or computer science programmers, <laughs> like, YouTubers, influencers. Well, okay. And that's, first of all, I'm very pro technology. I mean, you and I yeah. have talked a lot, Dave, yeah. and I know you've written a book on how the church can move more into digital ministry. So, yeah. uh, you know, technology is what's letting us talk today yeah. in different continents and different time zones. And it's what lets us, this become a podcast that others listen to. So I think technology is awesome. When it comes to purpose, there's many ways that I think technology helps uh, by helping us all, but especially our young people, stay in touch yeah. with the needs of the world. So, you know, I'll just say here in the U.S., summer of 2020, you know, we were in such a season of talking about racial justice, racial reconciliation after the George Floyd murder. Yeah. And, you know, we had all three of our kids home at the time. We're like 2018 and, and 14 because of the pandemic. They were all home. And like every night at dinner, I would ask my first question would be, OK, what did you see on social today about race? Mm. And and that would unlock a five minute conversation or a 45 minute conversation because my kids were seeing things and exposed to things 
more than me and before me um, because they were involved in in social media. And I love that. Like Mm. there's so so much that's good about that. They, They understand different perspectives. They understand people from different social locations, et cetera. I think the downside to technology when it comes to purposeful work with, with young people especially is they can feel like if I if I post about something and put hashtag justice, yeah. um, then I'm doing substantive work. <laughs> and like that made, I mean, that, that does help. I've done that too. You've yeah. probably done that too. That does help. But I think often God's inviting us into deeper advocacy mm. on behalf of those who are marginalized, those who are being oppressed, et cetera. Yeah than just yeah. posting on social. So I think social can, it certainly keeps us informed and helps us learn more about the needs of the world and opportunities of the world. It can become a bit of a placebo yeah. for deeper, more meaningful engagement. So we, wow. you know, with, with ourselves and with our young people, let's keep inviting them and us into, you know, posting and, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. doing something in addition to that. We believe the work you do on the front lines with kids and teenagers is the most important work in the world. Every meeting with a small group leader, email to parents, and late night supply run matters because you're helping kids and teenagers develop an everyday faith. On average, you have about 40 hours this year to influence the faith of kids and teenagers who come to your programming. That means you need to be intentional about your messaging strategy. Orange Curriculum is a comprehensive strategy for birth to high school. Each age group curriculum not only provides you with strategic messages to engage kids and students with biblical truths, but also resources to help you train volunteers and partner with parents. So start using Orange Curriculum to spend less time planning your message and more time doing what only you can do, building relationships. You can get started today at tryorangefree.com. That's tryorangefree.com. Dot com. So. Yeah, that it's what I. It, you said this earlier, right? That your research for this book showed that uh, teenagers were more inclined to be serving and seeing that as yeah. as being a high purpose, right? Because yeah. part yeah. of being human is helping other humans. Um, you know, right. I, I, what's coming into my head is that famous Abraham Joshua Heschel quote, where as he was, you know, working with Martin Luther King in the civil rights era, said that he had the opportunity to pray with his feet Mm. because he actually got out and did stuff to help people. So what I'm hearing you say is you're still seeing that that is a priority for a lot of teenagers today is to help other humans. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something, uh, you know, awesome about young people in general across generational cohorts. And I think this generation in particular has a heightened interest, maybe because they have heightened awareness of the needs of the world. They Mm. have a heightened interest in being able to respond to the needs of the world. And, you know, that's where I would say creative churches and ministries Mm. in the midst of the pandemic. And, you know, we're post pandemic, still in the pandemic. I don't, I don't (laughs) even know how to describe it these days, Dave, but you know, life is not back to normal. Yeah. Um, and a lot of kids are not as busy as they were. I mean, that yeah. was during quarantine. That was in the midst of all the terribleness. Kids had more free time and yeah. creative churches and ministries were figuring out, gosh, how do we how do we channel kids passions and interests and abilities, often through technology yeah. to serve others, to serve our church, to serve people who can't leave their home, et cetera. Yeah. And I, I, I want us to keep doing that. 
as we're in kind of a pseudo normal time now, and as we get back to whatever normal is going to be, yeah. I, I think helping young people be involved in, you know, praying with their feet will yeah. change them. I, 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 this is going to be a second time I, I mentioned my good friend, Reggie Joyner here, but <laughs> honestly, what I quoted more than anything else during the pandemic outside of the Bible, um, what I quoted more than anything else, Reggie has this great line that a kid may get over what I teach them, but they will never get over God working through them. Mm. And I think that's really true. Like one of the best ways that we can help young people experience their humanness, understand others' humanness, uh, get that Jesus answer to that question of purpose is to be involved in God doing amazing work in and through That's so good. Uh, Kara, you said earlier that, you know, technology means that our, our teenagers, our kids and students, they're, they're, they're more aware of what's happening in the world than yeah. ever before, than, than certainly than we were when we were growing up and we were their age. Yeah. I'm also struck by the idea and the understanding that they're also more aware of opposite views to Christianity. You know, we're trying yeah. to bring them up with faith, but it's so much easier to find opposite views to faith yeah. When, yeah. when they're online. So I wonder, um, I would love your opinion on what you think the church can do to, yeah. you know, continue to answer the questions that students have and kids have about faith. Yeah. Oh, great question, Dave. So, you know, as humans, we're constantly changing and learning. Yeah. And our faith is too. And I think there's this interesting paradox that we as adults, we want young people's faith to grow, but we don't want it to change. Yeah. (laughs) Which like really doesn't make sense, right? If their faith is going to grow, then by definition, it's going to somehow change. (laughs) And so one of the big surprises during the last decade of our research has been how important it is to give young people a chance to express and explore their doubts. Mm. That the majority of, of high school students, and our research was on high school students, majority of high school students in the U.S., uh, experience, youth group kids, experience significant doubts about God, about 70% yeah. experience doubts about God. Now, that in and of itself isn't a bad thing because when those same young people have the opportunity to express and explore those doubts, yeah. that's actually correlated with greater faith maturity. Yeah. Or, or put more simply, doubt isn't toxic to faith. Silence is. And so, you know, when it comes to us helping young people come to terms with their humanness, like how do we make the church and families a greenhouse for those tough questions, whether it's, you know, and and sadly, we, we tended to hear in high school more examples of children's ministry leaders who didn't handle this well. Mm. But, you know, imagine when that third grader comes into Sunday school, comes into you know, children's ministry yeah. and asks their pastor or small group leader, volunteer, like, why would God allow this terrible natural disaster? Or why mm. would God allow their parents to get divorced? And sadly, what we often heard is that that well-intentioned adult would kind of shush them and say, you know, we don't ask questions like that about God here. Um, We trust God. And what that third grader ended up learning is not only the church couldn't handle their tough questions, 
but God couldn't handle their tough questions. Yeah. And, you know, God is God. And if we could explain and fully understand God, then God really wouldn't be God. So I'm glad there are elements of God that we can't fully understand or explain. But still, we need to know how to respond to that seventh grader who's going to stump us or that third grader. And so here's my, I, I just offered this something that's been really helpful for me is to say, I don't know, but mm. gosh, that's a great question. I don't totally know, but how about if you, me and your mom, we get together and we talk about it next week over coffee. So I can't give you a foolproof answer for, you know, the tough question you're asking, but here's how God has used suffering in my life. So, you know, to your question, Dave, tough questions doubt-filled questions. We want those to come up in church so we can have honest, honest, thoughtful, holistic, human conversations about them. And our research shows that's important for faith formation. Yeah, that's so good. You, you've actually made me think of about 12 different questions that I want to ask you on the back of that, which again, is not unusual whenever I whenever I talk to you. Again, for every time that you quote Reggie, I feel like I need to quote Abraham Joshua Heschel. So I'm going to quote Perfect. him one more time. I just um, love that you're quoting Heschel. Like that's yeah. awesome, Dave. He, so. He's one of my favorite theologians. Uh, I absolutely nice. love him to death. Nice. And, and it was something actually, I, I wrote this in, in my book about, about asking questions. The great quote from him that says, we are closer to God when we have questions than when we think we have all the answers. I wonder, um, I wonder what your take on that would be based on the research you've had, especially around students. You know, do you think that they're closer to God when they have questions than when they think they have all the answers? I think that they're close. I would modify that a bit. I mean, at the risk of modifying the great uh, Abraham Heschel, I would modify that a bit, which is we're closer to God when we're in community asking those questions together. Mm. Uh, you know, I think I think part of why unexpressed doubt is so toxic is because it kind of festers. Yeah. And so what I want for all generations, but especially young people, is that I mean, it's back to identity, belonging and purpose. They have some they have a place where they belong yeah. that feels safe for them. Uh, you know, yeah. hopefully church, hopefully family, hopefully some good friends where they can ask those questions. So I would say that's when we're ultimately closer to God when mm. we're when we're in community wrestling with those questions together. So that based on our research, that's the slight nuance I would bring to that statement. I think that is excellent, excellent nuance. We're, we're closer to God when we're asking questions in community, in community. than when we think yeah. we have all the answers on our yeah. own or feel yeah. like we can't, to your point about being silent, when we can't ask those questions. That to me is relevance, right? I think in, yeah. in church world, we think, we have a definition of relevance that is smoke machines, moving lights, uh, hipster glasses, skinny jeans, deep V-neck T-shirts. Yeah. But relevance really is meeting the needs of somebody in the moment that they have them. And so what I'm hearing you say is when kids have questions, meet that need in that moment, right? Yeah, yeah. totally. And let me just say, Dave, like you get bonus cool, relevant points just from your accent. Like, so, so, so you're already ahead of most of us you know, in the, in the relevant factor with, with your accent, but back to your actual question, uh, you know, one of the reasons that, that Brad Griffin and I wrote this book, three big questions that change every teenager is because we heard about a 15 year old. And I think, you know, this particular 15 year old is iconic of a lot of 15 year olds yeah. who said, I wish the church would stop answering questions. I'm not asking. Mm. So like they're drop the mic moments. Like I wish the church would stop 
answering questions I'm not asking, wow. which means like we, we need to stop and listen, listen to what young people are really wrestling with. What, yeah. uh, what my colleague Scott Cormode calls their losses and longings, like listen to what they're going through. And I would say that, that generally what they're navigating is identity, belonging and or purpose questions. Mm. And so peeling back the layers, understanding what they're really seeking after and then journeying alongside them as they move toward Jesus's best answers for those those three big quests. Yeah, that's really good. Can we get practical on that just for just one second? Sure. Um, so, how can churches and how can church leaders be relevant to like be more relevant like that practically to the you know the I'm thinking the humans in their community, but I'm thinking yeah. the adults as well as the students. Like, what would you say? Uh, how, yeah. how can a church leader be more relevant to the people yeah. in the community? Yeah. Well, we've equipped a lot of youth leaders with this starting point, which is, I kind of hinted at it, but I'll make it more over, like to stop and listen to those you're trying to serve, yeah. uh, both in your church and in your neighborhood, in your city, in your town, to really listen. And it, we actually give over 300 questions in our book for an adult to use with a young person to try yeah. to understand, like, and don't ask all 300 at once, like just have a handful ready at once. So that you can really understand what, what somebody's navigating and, and get to the question beneath the question. Often yeah. there's a superficial question, there's something deeper. So, so I would say it, it starts really by listening. Secondly, it starts with adults journeying alongside that young person. So yeah. that small group leader, that parent, guardian, step-parent, grandparent, um, you know, hopefully there's a family member uh, who can journey alongside that young person, as well as that mentor faith leader, whoever it might be. So, you know, I would say those are those are the first two things that I would want for young people is that they be listened to. And mm. then they have an adult. Um, my Catholic friends uh, call this now accompaniment or that we accompany young people. And I just love that verb. Yeah. Like, how do we how do we walk alongside a young person as they're wrestling mm. with this? So those would be a couple real practical steps, Dave. That's really good. I really, I really like both of those uh, suggestions. That's awesome. Hey, uh, Carol, what do you think um, the church needs to do? The capital C church. What do you think the capital C church needs to do to ensure that it's ready for the future? Based on you know the conversations that you've had with both church leaders, but also with students, what what advice would you give to church leaders to ensure that they're ready for what's coming? next, you know, who knows what that might look like, whether it's yeah. technology or it's another pandemic, who knows, but what would your advice be? Well, the good news is we have experts in our midst and those are our young people. Yeah. Like who is, who is better positioned to help us understand what's going on in the world and culture and where we're going to be, you know, five years from now, five months from now, et cetera. And so yeah. You know, thoughtful, thoughtful leaders are spending more time with young people. And, you know, whether it's a, you take the same four young people out for coffee once a month and just mm. ask them questions, whether it's, you know, you sit next to a young person, both of you have your phones out and, you know, you ask them to show you what they're most excited about on their phone. Yeah. Um, you know, it, whether it's the conversations you have with young people after church, whatever it might be, like, you know, it's so funny. I see, I see leaders looking for outside resources to help them with the digital church. And, you know, there's a degree to which that's really helpful. And we have experts in our midst who for a, a cup of coffee 
or a burger could give us some really good insights. Um, and those are our young people. So, and I think this is, Dave, uh, when it comes to young people, specifically some research that's really rattled me in the last couple of weeks is from Springtide um, that talks about that during the pandemic at U.S. teenagers, only 10% of U.S. teenagers heard from a faith-based leader during the pandemic. So like across the U.S., 10%, only, only 10% heard from a, a faith leader. That's the bad news. The good news is in the same survey, 70% of U.S. teenagers wanted deeper, more fulfilling relationships after the pandemic. Like mm. they experienced the loneliness and yeah. now they're, they want that sense of belonging, right? To connect yeah. with other humans. Yeah. And so I really feel like this is a divine window for us to prayerfully, thoughtfully, empathetically build relationships with young people that are truly human. So yeah, that's so good. It's like it's almost like the pandemic took the tide out, and when the tide went out, we saw all the, you know, the gunk, the shells, the broken uh, bottles that were underneath. Yeah. When it comes to especially things like you just said about loneliness and stuff like that, I know here, I, I know uh, study in the in the U.S. in 2018, 2019 said that one in four teenagers felt lonely at some point. And in Australia, I was, I was doing some research for my book just recently, and it showed that one in three teenagers felt lonely in 2020. This is people yeah. who we, we know have, you know, they might have 10,000 followers, but they feel yeah. like they've got no friends who really care and look after them. So that's a really yeah. great point that we should be encouraging more church leaders to just reach out. That's awesome. What advice would you give to your younger self about being in ministry. If you could go back and, and right now, as you go back to young Kara and say, yeah. hey, here's my advice about ministry in 2022, what, what comes to mind? What would you ask? Yep. What would you tell yourself? So I'll share the first thing that came to mind, which is my favorite passage of scripture, which is John 15, that as we abide, we bear fruit. And I, there have been many seasons of my life where I've been trying to bear fruit on my own in my own human strength. And so, you know, I, I, I reflect often, what does it look like for me to really abide in Jesus, experience Jesus, nap, sleep, uh, take care of myself, prioritize the right priorities, because I know God's the worker and it's the fruit only comes from abiding in Jesus. So um, that's the first thing that comes to mind, Dave. That is so great. Cara Powell, thank you so much for joining us on the Think Orange podcast. And personally, you, your wisdom today, your insights today, just like always, are super profound, but you have mm. impacted my ministry. You've impacted mm. me as a dad more than you probably are aware. Oh. So thank you so much for being such a leading voice in this area and for, for cheering on church leaders and, and cheering on our students as well. I really appreciate you. Well, thank you for those very kind words, Dave. Uh, it's an honor to partner with Orange to see more young people transformed by Jesus. I'd like to be the first to say thank you to Kara for joining us. Now, if you enjoyed listening to this conversation as well, you can purchase Three Big Questions by Kara and by her cohort, Brad Griffin. You can find that in the Orange Store by going to orangestore.com, or of course, you can buy that wherever books are sold. Now, we'd also love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's super helpful for us to get the word out and get all the wisdom that you're learning. And we love this review by Schlepp72. Schlepp said, wow, 
I am heading into youth group ministry and I'm loving listening to your podcast to help understand what my role is in these children's lives and in their families' lives. Keep up the hard and good work, you guys and gals. Well, thank you to you for your review. Now, we're super excited and cannot wait for you to join us at Orange Conference 2022 so that you can join the conversation and we can continue learning what it means to be human together. So if you want to join us, go to theorangeconference.com to save your seat for an Orange Conference that I promise will be like none you've ever seen before. That's all this time. We will see you next time on the Think Orange Podcast. Thank you.